Welcome to another edition of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. How's your week been going, Derek? Pretty good. It's uh, into the heat of the summer. It's uh, It's been nice. Yeah, it's not too bad. A little bit hot some days, but uh, yeah, not too shabby. It's wicked hot. I'm not used to this heat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any canoe trips or anything coming up? Uh, I camping am going to be camping at uh, Wanda Provincial Park. So uh, when this, yeah, I'll be I'll be at Wanda when this air when this episode airs. Oh, so you'll be with family? Yes. Yeah. Ah. Going to be trying out the uh, the uh, stingray tent, the tree tent. Boat time. <laughs> yeah, we went online and we were looking at uh, campsites at Owenda. Yep. And uh, just to see tree layout in the, in the campsites to see if we could hang it. So we figure we got a site that we can hang this uh, tree tent. Well, if all else fails, you can use your car as one of the well, anchor points. Yes, and I've seen people do that. Well, we have to. Yeah. Hang it off the, uh, if you just hang it off the roof rack, it, uh, it is one of three points. Well, when you get back from that, I think uh, we had been talking um, with Mark of markinthepark.com there of doing some of the Natawasaga route. I've, I've seen that route. I've looked at it before. And we were actually considering for this trip that up to Owenda, we ended up just, we're going to just do uh, the Window Provincial Park just because of timing and whatever other trips coming up the following week. But I've looked at uh, Natawasaga. It's a, it seems like it's a really nice river. But I'd only looked at doing the very bottom end. Well, see, we looked at doing the top end from uh, Edenvale Conservation Area up to Wasaga. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, yeah, there that you can start a lot lower, and there's different sections. Three, there seems to be three sections to do. And we talked about Nottawasaga on a previous episode, didn't we? When we talked about paddling local rivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we'll, you know, <clears throat> we'll uh, hook up with uh, Mark and... Uh, and uh, check out that little area when you, uh, when you get back. Yeah. yeah, take a nice day trip up there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of trips, uh, just an update: Mike Ranta, he's doing the Cross Canada canoe trip with his dog Spitzy. The second time they've done it solo. Um, this year he's doing it in um, trying to raise some money and bring attention to Canada's uh, veterans. And they're raising money for the Legion in Atacokan, as well as the uh, Youth Centre. But, uh, yeah, part of his thing is is paddling across Canada to bring um, attention to, to the war veterans. So what's his current location? He is... He's in Ontario, right? Yeah. Um, what was it? The last week, I guess, he was in Thunder Bay. Okay. And he's starting... He, he's uh, doing the uh, Lake Superior route, and then he's cutting off of... I'm not sure how far he's going down Lake Superior to, to start cutting across, but uh, uh, I think it was Sault Ste. Marie or something last time. Um, and his end goal is Cape Breton, correct? Cape Breton, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's stopping at different legions along the way, and he's collecting signatures from veterans. And he's got he's got a big Canada flag wood piece that he's getting them to sign and whatnot. And uh, yeah, he's bringing, bringing the attention to it and... You know, raising some money for, and he's uh, had some ups and downs already in weather. It seems to be he's getting a lot of wind this year. Okay. You know, I'd following his route there. If you want to follow him, you can check him out on Facebook. Just Google Mike Ranta. But you can also go to Mike Ranta, R-A-N-T-A dot C-A. And he's got his, his webpage there, and you can get links from there. And uh, there's an interactive map that shows where he is. It's the, the spot map. Um. No, but, I've, uh, yeah, he seems to be having some good weather and some bad weather, but a lot of a lot of wind, it seems. I've Googled it and seen where he's gone and seen some of his locations, but it just occurred to me now that I don't know his future route. Does he give that? I've not been able to find the exact future route that he's doing. All I know is that where he is now, mm-hmm. where he's been, where he started from, I'm, and I'm just, where he's going. I'm just curious is if he's planning on doing the lakes and heading down the St. Lawrence Seaway, or if he's planning on... Going down the Ottawa River and, and whatnot. Yeah. He'll I, have to do the St. Lawrence Seaway eventually to get down to Cape Breton, right? Up that, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I, I don't think he does all the Great Lakes. I think he does Superior. Yeah. And then cuts across. Okay. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, yeah. I mean, the, the Great Lakes are a bit unpredictable, you know, especially Superior. I mean, I was up there for 10 days and couldn't get on the water once. The waves were just way too big. And, uh, so I imagine he's going to run into that, but, but, uh, yeah, check him out. He's, uh, he's, he's definitely making his way across and he's through, through Thunder Bay and all that way. And, uh, 
he seems to be having a good time again, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Him and his dog, Spitzy. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to give a little update because we talked about him and we do have links on, on our uh, Facebook page to, to Mike's uh, pages as well. So you can go and follow. I just like the, the you know, I, I enjoy having my spot unit on trips, but I enjoy following him on the spot unit as well. And that brings up something I want to talk about. Bad weather paddling. Ah, yes. You know, we've all done it. And if you're, whether you're kayak, canoeing, stand-up paddle boarding, there's always bad weather at some point you're hitting it. I, I'm doing some looking around and stand-up paddle boarding, any bad weather I got to think sucks. Well, also, stand-up paddle board, you're talking shorter trips. You're not... Uh, very rarely do have I heard about anybody who do multi-day trips. So oh, yeah. it, it, bad weather paddling, when it comes to stand-up paddleboard, it's like going golfing. Bad it's, weather comes, you go home. Yeah, to me, that's a sunny day sport. Yes. Because once the waves start getting too high and, you know, and I mean, the majority of them, you're sitting there in shorts and a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. So when you start getting, you know, the rain's coming down and that's, you're, you're packed up on your vehicle and heading yeah. home. I think the majority of people are just like, it's, I guess you can consider it like golf. You're just going out for the afternoon. And I guess in a rare occasion, people, I have heard that people are doing like whitewater rivers with paddle, stand-up paddleboard. And I know that uh, Yukon River Quest, there was uh, 11 participants that were stand-up paddleboard for that. Yeah. 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 I think that's a rare, a rarity. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, I've started to see the, the stand-up paddleboard, the surfing um, in the whitewater. Mm -hmm. down rapids yep. and, and stuff like that but again that's in. that's sort of a day thing i think yeah um kayak and canoe and white water if it starts raining does it really matter <laughs> it, for, <laughs> you're getting wet anyway for whitewater kayaking whitewater canoeing yeah it's uh i think the only thing that would change your day is if it got really cold with the rain but and lightning you know, yeah yeah okay yeah you get off the water when there's lightning yeah but uh, yeah, for the whitewater canoeing and kayaking, yeah. I, I don't think rain really matters. Mm -hmm. um, the wind, I don't think really matter. No, you're just full of going with the flow. You're going with the flow of the water mm -hmm. anyway, right? So bad weather day, I think that's... that's. Mm -hmm. And the, I guess, there, again, there's a difference between either are you on a trip, a multi-day trip, or are you just out for the afternoon doing mm -hmm. some whitewater river runs? If there's, in the middle of the afternoon, whitewater river runs... Yeah, you pack up and go home. But on a multi-day trip, you may have to make that next campsite to make your end destination. So, yeah, a little bit of rain, bad weather, you just keep on plugging through and following the river. Yeah, when we've seen David Lee, some of his pictures, um, doing the Nahani and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't think the, I don't think the rain really matters at that point. But canoeing, kayaking on open water, flat water... That's when... That's where it makes yeah, a difference. Yeah, that's the one that makes the difference. You get the wind and the waves, you can become windbound. Yes. Which has happened. Um, I've been windbound before. It's not a fun thing, because especially if you're on a schedule. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're doing a, an interior canoe trip somewhere, you've built that in, hopefully, to your, your schedule. Flexible enough that you could... Uh... You know, <clears throat> like when I plan my days, I usually try to plan three or four days of paddling a day so that if I do get windbound or something, then I can take, when the weather clears, I can do a good push for a day or two and get caught back up to my schedule. Yeah. Um, we've also been, when the waves start coming up, um, I've been on some lakes where the, the I mean, they're, they're big waves and you're getting through, but then they start getting to a point where your bow is going into the waves yes. and the guy in the back between strokes, he's sort of scooping out the water. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when you got to say, you know what, we're off this lake and, and, uh, we're, we're going to make camp or, or something for a while. The rain, the snow, the sleet. I mean, if you're a long day and it's a nice, you know, just a regular rainstorm, well, you just push through. Yeah. You the do. snow, well, you know, <laughs> the snow, hopefully you're dressed for that kind of weather, weather. Uh, and again, the lightning. If you're on a big lake or something like that and you start seeing the lightning coming out. There's real risks there, yeah. You've got to be getting off mm -hmm. off the rain or off the off the lake. Um, yeah, yeah, you get to shore, find a shelter, or you put up a shelter. We usually have somewhere in my gear, close to the top, I have a small tarp, which is easily accessible that we know if it's going to be there for a while, 
you've got something that you can just grab and throw up. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, if it's just a passing storm or rain, throw your canoe up against a tree. Stand under it. Yeah. It's a perfect shelter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like a giant umbrella, realistically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we've done that. Um, but if you're camping, you're in the backcountry or you're, you know, someone say, say you're kayak camping on like Georgian Bay, something like that. What do you do when the weather keeps you on shore? Mm-hmm. For me, are you, is that a question? <laughs> yeah, that's a question. Well, you know, I always, uh, I always make sure that, uh, and, and it's a, it's a piece of gear. It's a piece of kit that I always bring on a trip. And like in the past, when I used to solo trip, I would I'd carve stuff or play with harmonica. But nowadays, I bring a book or a magazine. I have a, a sailing magazine I always bring or like a nice novel. It's I, don't know, I think it's important just to have some downtime, some relaxed time and sit there and read, right? I think that's a it's an important piece of kit that a lot of people don't really take into consideration. Yeah, if I'm going solo, I make sure I've got a book mm-hmm. um, or a little uh, sketchbook. So, I mean, I don't draw all that fantastic, but, you know, you got to learn sometime, right? <laughs> so, yeah, you, you know, you, you get out there and you're sitting on shore and you do a little bit of sketching or something to build up your skills or whatever. The carving or the, the whittling, if they still use that term. Um, yeah, I carved a spoon. It didn't look like a spoon, let me tell you. So I apparently need some skills uh, practice at that as well. I have to do that too. It's like a, it's one of those time passing things like I almost every trip that I take I I have some sort of spatula or stir stick because I never bring one and I, I need something wood so I don't scratch up my pots and pans right mm-hmm. I always uh, find a decent little piece of oak or ash or just a branch and I carve it I, so I've made knives and spoons I've I've uh, I remember one time I carved a chain a it was chain. difficult it's difficult like you know like a, a chain like a wood chain yeah wooden chain I had three links only three links <laughs> And then a chunk of wood that it's I didn't finish. a pocket finish. watch. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was very tough to do. I would imagine. <laughs> It'd probably be tough to come up with the idea. I'm going to do a chain. Yeah, well, a I wooden had, chain. I had seen that somebody had done it before, so I wanted to try it. And it was very, very time consuming. So it was, it was a solo trip. I had time to spare, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been on canoe trips where I'm sort of a mixed mind. If it's a nice light rain or something like that, and we're doing uh, a base camp and I got all my fishing gear, well, I mean, you go out in the rain to fish. Mm-hmm. So I've been on trips where I'm saying, hey, you know, who wants to go out in the canoe? We'll go do some fishing. And everybody's like, well, oh, it's, it's raining. raining. And you're going to sit under the tarp all day. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not just sitting under the tarp all day. Because that drives me nuts. Um, but that's where you have the book. That's where you, yeah. Or you have a nap. <laughs> Nap. Napping nap. is big. Naps the problem nice. with napping is when you're sitting there and it's napping time and you're get to, and then you get up a little later in the afternoon after like a three hour nap and you go under the tarp to stay out of the rain and then you do your dinner. You can't have a fire if you don't have the tarp covering the fire pit. Um, and then you're sitting there at nine o'clock at night going 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> I'm not tired because I just had this three hour nap in the <laughs> afternoon, you know. Um, but yeah, the book, the carving, the drawing, having a nap, eating. Yeah. 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 I find I do that. I always, if I know the weather might be turning, I make sure I pack some extra snacks Mm -hmm. because then, yeah, you sit there and you, you munch or you got something to, to eat, to keep yourself busy. If I don't have to stay under the tarp, I won't. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely times where, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a light rain, go out, do some fishing, come back. Um, I've brought cards. I've played cards. Yep. Yeah. My barrel, my, uh, bear barrel, bear pack. Well, it's not really a bear barrel. It's just a barrel. Yeah. Right. I have taped a checkerboard on the bottom of the lid. Oh, so I flip it over. There you go. And somebody gets rocks, somebody gets pine cones. Yeah. And that's what we do. We can play checkers. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, you keep yourself busy that way, but, uh, bad weather shouldn't always keep you off the water. No, but if it's a bad weather day where the winds are up and the rains and the lightning and the thunder. And you know what? The other thing is just sit, sit down and watch the weather. Yeah. That's it's, I enjoy that too. I find though that, well, my, my methods of paddling and camping have changed since I have kids. I've got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. So it's, (laughs) there's not a lot of downtime and it's hard to entertain a child that wants to do something when there's bad weather. Go out in the canoe 
and hold this metal rod, kid. <laughs> here, fly this kite. Yeah, here, fly this kite. But let me put a key on the end first. <laughs> uh, as much as it's tempting to do that some days. Um, we were camping when the kids were small. We had one incident where we were camping, and there was a thunder and lightning storm. Uh, my wife and I are outside under the tarp, doing, you know, just general cleanup and, and whatnot. And the kids were in bed. It was in the evening. And they were in bed, and all of a sudden the lightning was going, and the thunder was going, and we hear this noise from in the tent. And we're thinking, oh, they're freaking out. We're going to have to go and sit in the tent with them and tell them it's okay and whatnot. So we get into the tent. They're giggling their butts off. <laughs> they thought it was so cool with the flashing and the thunder. And and they were having a great time, enjoying it. Yeah. Okay, so back out we go. So I guess everybody just takes it in their own stride, and they thought it happened to be yeah really funny. But... Uh, I don't know the bad weather. It, it, you have to plan for it, and a lot of I think that's a mistake some people make is not planning for bad weather. Yeah, like that, and you know it's simple as having a book so you can sit in the tent if the if it's just if it's a heavy downpour you're not gonna in a heavy downpour I'm not going out in the boat. No, you know it's just a, it's a comfort and it also depends on the time of year. Like shoulder season, if it's cold, cold and raining, I'm not going out. But uh, if it's just a drizzle or a rain and it's really warm weather, that can be fun being out in the rain. I enjoy that. If it's warm enough, then yeah. Yeah. And Or like I say, if you're on a, a travel day. Yeah. I have no problems with that. I mean, you got to watch out on the on the portages and, yes. you know, because it gets slippery in that. And... Um, but yeah, if you're kayaking along Georgian Bay or something where it's all rock and mm -hmm. not too many closed in spots, yeah. that's going to be a bit... Uh, uncomfortable but i guess what it comes down to is gearing up for this it's yeah. it's expecting conditions to change because when you're on your day five of a trip somewhere whether you're kayaking in johnstone Strait or on vancouver island or canoeing kayaking whatever in algonquin park you have to you have to expect you might get windbound you might get unexpected weather you know you can't you're not going to have uh, connections for you know the weather channel and stuff like that so you know if you bring out a uh, rain jacket to uh, bring tarps you know even if you bring it and you never use it it's better than having to need it and not have it definitely well let's take a quick break here and then when i come back i want to talk about the 10 things i hate about canoe tripping <laughs> the 10 <laughs> things i hate about you that's right <laughs> you are listening to paddling adventures radio on reno viola outdoors do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand if so this show's for you Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. 10 things I hate about canoe tripping. I mean, I love canoe tripping, but there's just some things that... I mean, maybe hate's too strong of a word. Yeah. When you but first things I dislike about canoe tripping. <laughs> when you first brought up this topic, I'm thinking, I don't think there's anything I dislike about canoe tripping. And then you start getting into your list and it's like, oh yeah, that bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to number 10. Bugs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I hate that's bugs. A, that's at the top yeah. of my list. And that's why I like winter camping is because of the bugs. You know what? The bugs don't bug me as much as they used to. Even when we did the Brent run, um, Mike had posted a video, and part of the video he says, "Here's here we are, and the bugs are going nuts around me, but they don't seem to be bothering Sean." When I was uh, a kid in in Moosonee, how and, bad did you stink that they wouldn't even go near you? Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was prepping for this for a good month. <laughs> Anyways, Moosonee. Um, I think it's the waffles. Eat waffles before you go on this thing. <laughs> when we lived in Moosonee and we lived out west, we lived in northern Ontario and that, the bugs when I was younger used to just bother me something fierce. Uh, the mosquitoes and the black flies. But over the last five years, I would say, they just don't bother me as bad. I don't know if I'm just ignoring them, but 
I'm not coming out with as many bug bites as I used to. You're really, really old. Your skin's really, really thick. Maybe. <laughs> all the scarring from all the years previous, I just can't bite through anymore. <laughs> so, bugs. I'm not big on the bugs. Yeah, I hate them. Yeah. Can't stand them. This one's weird. Dishes. <laughs> I mean, I don't like doing dishes on the best of day. But when I'm camping, and I love to sit there, get the fire going, get the coals going, and throw on whatever to, to cook it over the open fire, and you get your water boiling, or you do your whatever you're adding water to, be it you know instant potatoes or rice or couscous or something like that, and you get that good meal together. And at the end, when you're done eating and you put your dishes down and Everybody's sort of looking around going, so who's doing dishes? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I hate doing dishes. Every trip, and, and, and this I can probably say, like blanket statement, every trip I go on, the day we're leaving, I'll eat breakfast, and then I'll pack those dishes dirty. Oh, yeah? And they, I come home, the first thing I do is I take those dishes out, those pots, of, if I made oatmeal or, or whatever, and yeah, they're right upstairs to be washed, because I just... Uh, last day i'm not doing i'm not doing dishes now i don't know if this is strange or if this is normal or non-normal but anyways have you ever taken paper plates camping no i like taking paper plates once in a while just so i can i finish my meal i burn the plate don't have to wash that well if i take a paper plate or a, a plastic plate Finish my meal. I don't have to wash that. <laughs> yeah, I tend to... <laughs> I guess burning plastic's probably frowned on. Yeah, and that's why the, I would... But the paper ones is just the Corningware, what are the crown... Yeah, the crown royal or what, yeah, no, whatever no, it crown is. crown royal something to drink. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, paper plates, I, I just... I just burn it. Yeah, no, I've never thought of that. Um, I guess it's because it's, it's just another thing to bring. If I've already got... Because my pots pan system... Um, duplicates as my bowl as well, right? Yes, me too. So, uh, yeah, I've never, never thought of, but I hate doing dishes. Mm -hmm. Just hate it. I'll I'll take my fork and my knife, and I'll lick them clean, <laughs> wipe them on my pants, and okay, they're clean. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, rinse out the cup, and yes, yeah, usable still. Uh, but <laughs> one of the things I dislike about camping and canoe yeah. drifting is dishes. Yeah, that's fair. This one's weird. Water on the bottom of the canoe. So when you're on a day, because you're doing the portages, you're getting in and out. I'm one of those people that like to get in and out of the canoe a few feet from shore. Mm -hmm. I don't drag the canoe or beach the canoe and then get out. Yeah. Right? Because then you're just destroying the bottom of your canoe. Um, so I'll get out a few, a few feet and then I'll get back in. So when you put all your gear back in um, to the canoe at the end of a portage, and then you're getting in, it's, water gets into the canoe. Yeah. You can't help it. And then when you decide, you know what, if it's windy or whatever, you're, you just, you're going to kneel instead of sit on the seat. Well, you got that water sitting there and then your pants are soaked. The only thing that really bugs me about that is if it's shoulder season, it's the middle of summer, it's warm. It's like, I don't really care. And I just be careful of what gear does scull about in the bottom of the canoe. But if it's spring or fall, I don't want any water in the canoe at all. Yeah. No, I just, it's, <laughs> I don't know why, because <laughs> your pants are soaked anyway from getting in, Yeah. but it's just something about having that one. And I think it's also the, yeah, you've just thrown your backpack or whatever in, and then you come into another portage. Well, now the back of your backpack, your is, pack is, yeah. is wet and you're now throwing that onto your back. I, now your back is wet. I'm usually pretty good about putting the straps up. Oh yeah, I've not. done it where the straps are down and the pads down, and then it's like, oh no, this is going to be gross. <laughs> I've done it a thousand times, and I'll do it a thousand more, and I'll never learn. You just can't learn. <laughs> just... Untrainable. <laughs> I'm just stupid that way. <laughs> so yeah, water on the bottom of the canoe. Uh, crowds on portages. Mm. The thing that... Now, define crowds on portages. I've been to... More than me. <laughs> <laughs> Two people. I, I guess it depends on what who the crowds are, because some people are idiots on a portage, and they get there, They and I've been... I've come up to a portage, and it's like, oh, 
how do I get ashore? They're just they just wandering around, not really doing much, and I have to go way off into the weeds and, and just sit there and, and kind of wedge my canoe in and wait for them to leave because they don't make room for people to come ashore. I guess I would have to say it's not the crowds, it's the lack of portage etiquette. There you go. Yes. If, if you want to, yeah, you yes. want to nitpick. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I've been, I've been on portages where you get a group of people who are, who are portaging for the first time or whatever. And yeah, they've got six canoes across the portage. Yeah. Sideways. And you, yeah. And they're all up there having lunch. Yep. And it's just like, really guys, like yeah. enough. And then um, they get miffed because you ask, hey, can you mind moving so I can get ashore? And they, they get all attitude on it. It's like, whoa. Yeah. If you know you're going to be at the portage for a while. Then you either get all your gear out and you go to the far end of the portage and you don't go right to the water level. Mm -hmm. You put everything to the side and you have your lunch, your snack, yeah. whatever. Or if you want to have lunch first, you move everything up away from the water level. You put it to the side and you have your lunch or snack there. So that way anybody else comes along, then your stuff's already out of the way. Yeah. You know, and I've, I mean, I've been on both sides of that where... I've had my stuff to the side and I'm having a snack and somebody comes down the portage because, you know, from either, either direction. And I can just sit there and say, Hey, how you doing? And where are you guys heading from? Where are you guys coming from? Yeah. And I don't have to move. I can just keep on eating or, or whatever it is I'm doing because I'm up away from the, the water level and to the side, yeah. clearing everything for it. So I, I think that's more what it is. You're right. Is, is not necessarily the crowds on the portages. It's etiquette. It's the ones that aren't using the etiquette on yeah. the portages. But I mean, that, that even goes along the, the way. If you're just tootling down the portage and you see somebody coming with a canoe, yep. give them right of way. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you got to give the guy with this pack and a canoe on his head yeah. right of way while you're just dawdling, taking your time. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's not so much the crowds. It's the... It's the, the, the lack of etiquette that I hate. I recall a story that uh, Kevin Callan told us when we met him up the canoe, up at the Peterborough Canoe Museum. He was telling us about, uh, he talked about portage and uh, portage etiquette. And he was saying that he had a pack on, a canoe over his head, and he's going down the trail. And the woman come the other direction, didn't move for him. And in fact, she struck him in the groin with a paddle because he didn't get out of her way. Mm -hmm. And she did, he said she had barely any gear, but... The portage trail was hers at that moment. And I can completely understand how that could really miff you. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, it just common sense. If if you're doing a climb with a canoe in your head, the person going downhill should step aside because they've got the easy way. Yeah. And and let the pull aside, let the climber pass. You know, it's Or if you've just got a backpack on, pull aside for the canoeer, the yeah. guy with a canoe on his head. It's just uh, courtesy and, and common sense and etiquette. And I think it's... It, Often it's it's not a problem, but the the one in twenty times or the one in fifty times where it comes up, it it's really a pain in the butt that people aren't more courteous. And I would like to think that it's just lack of knowledge, but I know for a fact that there's been people out there, and you, you hear them talking about stuff yeah. that they've been doing, they've been here before, and they've done this before, and it, it's just ignorance. Yeah, that's all it is. Um, the next item on my top 10 list of things that I dislike about You're canoe tripping. You're an angry, angry man. I'm angry today. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm letting everybody know it. Paranoid warnings. What do well, you mean? Well, you're going out there. What about the bears? Oh. What about the poison ivy? Yes. You're going solo? Yes. Yeah. I get, I get tired of hearing that all the time. Yeah. Uh, because I do do my solo trips and yeah, I mean, you go into Algonquin Park or whatever and it's bear country and you have the chance of meeting up with them. Um, but I mean, I've come across, I've gone across portages and you know, there's fresh bear scat sitting there and there's no bear to be found. It's still steaming. It's, it's like, still steaming. He's oh, close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah, I mean, on the Brent run, there's one portage we did that had poison ivy on it. So, yeah, you know, so. Don't eat it. Yeah. You don't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Paranoid warnings. They bother me. Yes. Yes. Uh, now this one, we sort of differentiated on our opinions when i go exploring and find a dead end river or creek mm -hmm. um it bothers me to a point that oh 
It's a dead end. It's sort of like opening a Christmas present and there's nothing inside. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, if I'm going to explore it, I'm, look at this creek on the map. It shows a nice long creek and it's wide and it should be something going up to this other lake. And then you get there and it just... It's non-navigable. It just, yeah, it's non-navigable. It just dies. It just... And then you can see where there used to be a river going all the way through, but now it's just overgrown and rocks and trees and... Yeah, it just sort of di or dies in a swamp. Mm -hmm. Then you backtrack all the way back to where you started. Uh, dead end rivers and creeks while exploring, they bother me. Yeah, and and like I said earlier, it was, uh, for me, it's it's the exploring part. And I can understand your perspective. It's where you're doing the same route twice. It's like a lot of people don't like to do loop. They prefer loop trips as opposed to there and back trips because right. they don't want to see the same things again. They want to explore the entire time. Yeah. And for me, if it's just a, if, if it's a quiet afternoon and I'm off exploring a creek, I don't mind backtracking. It's not an issue with me. So I guess that's where it really comes down to is, is uh, people who prefer loop trips as opposed to double backs. Yeah, and that's what it comes to is, is the double back. I just mm -hmm. don't want to do that. And hand in hand with this one comes number six, seven, number seven, disappearing portages. Oh, yes. <laughs> we ran into this a couple of times on uh, when we were up in Woodland Caribou. You, you find the portage and yep, it goes right through there. And then all of a sudden it's gone. Um, <laughs> either overgrown or overgrown, not just hasn't or... been used and yeah, not maintained or what have you. And it's fine if you're going up and you're thinking, you know what, there might be some bushwhacking and all that. But when you expect that portage to be there and then because it hasn't been used in a couple of years, it's just totally overgrown. And oh man, we're in a rush or <laughs> we were expected to be on this lake at this time to do this and that. <sighs> <laughs> My life is hell. <laughs> I, I recall I recall an incident where I came across something like that. We were, uh, it was, I think, three years ago. And actually, last week's episode, we talked about uh, Sturgeon River. And yep. uh, so me and a couple guys, we were looking for the old Nostawagan roots. And we were trying to find a few old ones that were disused or unused. And we're trying to rediscover them. So we were in the, I think, the area that... The story that I'm going to relate it was in Solace Provincial Park, which is just south of Lady Evelyn Clearwater. It's on the upper end of the Sturgeon River. So we were in looking for these uh, Nost original native Nostawagan roots. And uh, we, when you come across clear cuts and stuff, there's a few that the, the roots just disappear because of, of clear cutting and, and whatnot. But uh, the route that we were looking for, we, we found the route... And it was barely used. Like, it was a lot of pushing through branches and stuff. And uh, then we got onto a, uh, an old woods road. and But then we couldn't find where the, the old Nostawagan route carried on down to the lake. And uh, we ended up dropping the canoes. And we probably wasted about two hours or more trying to find the route. And we broke up, went into the forest looking for any sort of path. And then by the end of it, it was uh, we were losing too much of the day. We could have just pushed through in the first place, but we wanted to find the route. So we took the time to search the route. In the end, we gave up because we were going to lose light within a couple hours. So we ended up bushwhacking, and I just, it couldn't, it, the bush was so thick I couldn't carry the canoe, so I just grabbed it by the bow, and I was dragging it between uh, pine trees and whatnot. It was just climbing over branches and brambles and and just it was it was nuts. My legs were so scratched up. But it's one of those things. The 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 portage just disappeared, and uh, and again, like I said, we could have just pushed through in the first place. But we were looking actively looking for these Nostawagan roots. Yeah, and yeah, sometimes it happens. It's just gone. Yeah. So, but you know, it's just another one of those things that, <laughs> that bother me, especially when it's supposed to be there. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, seven, eight, nine, uh, number eight. You should number those. Yeah, I should, eh? <laughs> number eight, headwinds constantly. And if anybody disagrees with this one, <laughs> they need their head examined. When I used to go to school, <laughs> I'd go uphill in the snow both, both ways. ways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, headwinds constantly. You know what? It keeps you cool. What's wrong with a nice headwind? Oh, nice not air always. Blowing, air blowing, not wind blowing always. through your hair. And... Oh, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> wind blowing through my hair. Let me get my comb out. <laughs> um, you know what? You're going to come across the headwinds. You're going to come across tailwinds, sidewinds. You're going to come across waves and, and the whole meal deal. But when you're on 
a multi-day trip. Yeah. And it's in your face the entire time. And even when you're on camp, you know, you're, you're setting up your camp and you're trying to put a tarp city and all that sort of stuff, you know, and the wind's just howling through right at you constantly. That becomes tiring after mm-hmm. a while. And when you're fighting the wind all day. And at the end of the day, I mean, everybody's out there. They're, you know, you're doing the canoe trip and thing. You're enjoying yourself as best as possible. But at the end of the day, you're just so tired yeah. of fighting that wind. The one thing I like about, uh, like, when you when you start paddling, if you go from a stop and you, it's that hard pull, pull, pull to get up speed. But once you're up at speed, you're just cruising along. And But if you have a, a, a nasty headwind... It feels like you're constantly trying to get up to speed. Yeah. So you're always pulling a little bit more hard on the paddle than you expect to. And the second you stop paddling, you almost come to a halt. Yeah, it's, I don't consider it something I hate, but it's something I, like, I just got groan. It's like, oh no. Well, you don't mind it for a day or two. But if, like I say, if you're on a 10 day trip and you've got yeah. that wind for 10 days. Yeah. You know, you're just ready to, to hang it up eventually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so headwinds makes my list. (laughs) (laughs) Number nine, and this one we sort of, this one comes from um, years of of bad experience, or not years of, but when I first started getting into the camping and the the coup tripping, um, the, the nights of previous experience, shall we say, nighttime rainstorms. Yeah, we did disagree with this one. I like now, that. Now, I like the sound of rain on the tarp or, or above the tent or whatever, but I don't know whether just before I knew how to pitch the tent properly, the location of the tent, cheap-ass tents, that sort of stuff. Even to this day, if I hear the rain in the middle of the night, I can't get a good sleep because I'm always waking up with the with the headlamp, shining it around and make sure there's no water coming in the tent because I'm expecting it now. Mm-hmm. You know, now, like I say, whether that was just from inexperience when I first started, but uh, it's it's a paranoia I have in the middle of the night. I love to sit, like we talked earlier, I love to go out in the rain, you know, in the canoe. I love to sit under the tarp and watch the rain, that sort of stuff. And, you know, but when I'm sleeping, if I hear that rain, I'm just like, oh, here we go. And even though I know mm-hmm. I've got yeah. a tarp set up above me yeah. now, or I've got, you know, the, the, the fly and everything's all set up properly. And I'm in a good spot on a hill sort of deal where it's going to go off to each side um, and not in towards the tent. I still have that paranoia. So I've got two kind of stories to relate to that one. One, it's not so much that I dislike the rain. It's how people deal with the rain at campsites. And what I, what really bugs me is when you get to a campsite and you see where somebody has taken actions to prevent the water entering their tent and they trench out the campsite. Yeah. You're not supposed I, to do that. I hate it when people do that. It's like, what are you thinking when you dig this five or six inch long trench to divert water? Find a better spot to put your tent. Don't be digging up the forest mm-hmm. floor. I See, we, we learned that in Cubs back in the 70s. God, you're old. <laughs> I don't know. How old was I in Cubs? What are you, like 10, 11 in Cubs or something like that? So that would have been the late 70s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what they did. You, you cut the hole around the tent sort of thing, right? But I mean... Nowadays, I mean, that sort of goes against the leave no trace yeah. and, yes. and, you know, provincial parks, you're not supposed to do that, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think that's just, it's, it's not a total dislike thing or total hate thing. It's just a, a paranoia. I hate the paranoia of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that the makes other, number nine. The other, but the other story I had to relate about that is a, a guy I work with, he, uh, I can't remember, I think he was Pinery or anyways, wherever he went camping, he, he said he had a beautiful riverside campsite and he says look at this picture <laughs> so he, a rainstorm would come through and the river swelled and it, he was he walked down to the river and took a picture at his campsite so his tent was half filled with water so there's about two feet of water in his tent you could just see the top bit of his tent and then his car you could see the water was just at the bottom edge of his door of mm. his car so his car was just up a little bit more and it's like whoa that's a lot of water in your tent. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't matter how rainproof that fly is at that point. Well, we we were up uh, in Algonquin Park. My brother and his friend came um, along with my son and myself. This was years ago. 
uh, we did uh, an interior trip up through to Little Crow River, uh, the Crow into Little Crow Lake. Um, and they had big tropical storm come through. And I mean, there was lightning. There was sun. that's the, the the one I talked about before, where lightning hit the tree next to our tent one of the times, um, and lit up everything. Well, back at the main campground where my wife and daughter were in the trailer at Pog Lake, it came through there as well. Mm-hmm. And um, the next morning, I mean, the campsite we were on, if we were in tents, we would have been toasted. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a good thing we we they were in the trailer. Because yeah, the the whole campsite was flooded. Wow! And in the laundry rooms at the at the campground, all the people that were in tents were <laughs> were all in there drying stuff out. And there was people just packing up left, right, and center their tents. Just they weren't even folding it. They were just grabbing everything, throw it in the car, and they were gone. We'll because that later. <laughs> yeah, because that's exactly what happened. That nighttime rain, yeah. and you wonder why it's on my list. <laughs> the tenth and final item, why I dislike, or what I dislike about canoe tripping. The end of the trip. When I come around the corner, and I see my truck, or that beach, or the, the dock, the final landing site, I hate that. Oh, yeah? There's just something about it, because that's when the big, oh, we're done. It's over. I got to head back to the city. I hate that feeling, and I get hmm. it every time. I mean, you come around Canoe Lake, and you come around that final bend, and you can see the Portage the store, and beach, the dock, and, yeah. and that, it just hits you like, wow, it's over, it's done. It's over. See, I'm completely opposite. When I I enjoy my camping, I enjoy my tripping, but when I finally get to the final takeout and I am going to be loading up my car, it's like, I'm excited for the next thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get home and yada, yada, yada. And the kids and the family, and trust me, you'll get over that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm stopping at Burger King or whatever. Well, and that's another thing. After a long trip, I look forward to stopping for a nice burger, a nice meal, something where I don't have to do my dishes and I don't have to cook it. Well, I'm not doing my dishes. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the 10 things that I dislike about canoe tripping. We, we need to do a list, a happier list with 10 things I like about canoe tripping. Or canoe whatever. tripping. Nine. Canoe tripping. Eight. Canoe tripping. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, these are, I don't necessarily hate all this stuff, but these are just things that, like I say, bugs and dishes. You're such yeah. a negative Nelly. Oh, I could just do without <laughs> bugs and dishes, unless I could train the bugs to do the dishes. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be awesome. I up. could sell that on the Dragon's Den. Imagine the size of bugs you need, though. Ooh, or they mount. <laughs> or we just bring a dog and have them lick the dishes. Train squirrels. Ah, Chipmunks. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. I want to talk quickly about camera gear because I do landscape photography and whatnot. Uh, People are always asking me about what camera gear I bring. There are three different things that you can bring. The point and shoot. It's easy, it's compact, fits in a pocket, lightweight, that sort of thing. Um, I know a couple people that just throw a little point and shoot on their, their belt loop. And whenever they see something, they whip it out, take a picture, Put it back in, right? Yeah. Nowadays, you got the things with the GoPros. Yes. That you can you can take videos, you can take pictures, you know, do selfies. You can throw it on your canoe somewhere, your kayak, and video of yourself um, paddling, that sort of deal. Um, 
different angles, stuff like that. You just gotta make sure if you're doing that, uh, however you connect it to your canoe or your kayak or your stand-up paddle board, that you wanna have an extra little safety device because it's easy to slip from your hands and go overboard. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're waterproof in those cases, but if it's 20 feet down, it doesn't matter if it's waterproof. It's 20 <laughs> feet down. You're not so getting it back. I know with my GoPro, I'll mount it to the camera, but I've got a string or a small piece of rope that goes around uh, whatever the, the attachment is on the GoPro itself to one of my thwarts. Yeah. So if it, you know, it's a suction cup mount. So it's mounted, but it's it's tethered as well. Yeah. Um, so that if it does bounce off, then it's it's hanging there, sort of deal. And I mean, you can be creative with that. DSLR cameras. Now that's what I usually take. Um, it's you know, I've got uh, it, it's a more advanced style camera. You can change lenses, and the, nowadays you can do video and film or uh, uh, pictures as well, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's what I bring it along now. And I bring usually my 18 to 55 mil lens and a 75 to 300. So that covers. Do you have a point and shoot? Uh, yes, I do have a point and shoot as well. So, because just, I want to be able to compare it to you, like when we, as a, as this topic, like I've got a point and shoot that I carry. Mm -hmm. I used to take my DSLR routinely, but I just, it's something that, was always in a dry bag, so it wasn't easily retrieved. So what I ended up doing, I just carry a point and shoot, a waterproof point and shoot in the pocket of my PFD. Yeah. So it's it's on a tether. I just I can take it out and take a few pictures and put it away. And uh, so is the DSLR. I I'm always concerned about getting it wet. Well, and that's exact. I'll I'll get into that part, but yeah. And if I'm going. If part of my trip is because I want to take video and I want to take some really good pictures mm -hmm. and stuff, then I'm bringing the DSLR. If I'm just doing a quick day trip or something like that and I don't want to carry all the gear, yep. I'll bring the point and shoot. Yes. Right? When it comes to the DSLR, accessories that I bring, a tripod, a shutter release, polarizer filter, UV filters, and even a neutral density filter, which I have is adjustable. Uh, that way, if, if you want to do waterfall shots, like long exposures yeah. during the day, you got the, the neutral density filter. Um, the polarizer gets rid of some of the, the, sh the glare off the water, that sort of stuff. Let's you see through, through water, mm -hmm. like, you know, shallow streams and stuff yeah. like that. So you can get the rocks and stuff under the, under the water. Cleaning kits. If you're near, I mean, there's, there's always dirt. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you're near a waterfall and you're doing waterfall shots, you're getting the spray. So you'll want to clean your lenses. Yep. Um, extra memory cards. If I'm on a long trip, I bring extra memory cards because with the age of digital, you can just hold that button down and take many pictures. And then when you get home, you have yourself a nice beverage beside your computer and you start going through your pictures and you can pick and, and choose what you want to get rid of, what Discard, you want to keep, keep, you know. Because yeah. um, some of the stuff, when you're looking on the, on the back on that little display, you can't, you're, tell. you can't tell what you've got and what you don't yeah. have. You know, so you bring that. Storage. With a big DSLR, Pelican case. It's a hard case. You know, it's got the snap. You open it up. It's like a briefcase. Do you do, you do that? Pelican I don't. Case? No. Yeah. No. I, I don't either. It's it's for a canoe trip. It's uh, too bulky. Not, well, yeah. I say that, but I don't take my DSLR anymore. Yeah. I always there's, just keep the point. There's a lot of uh, kayakers. They keep the, the Pelican case right on the front. Yes. And then you just flip it open. Mm -hmm. They take the pictures. Put it back in, mm -hmm. flip it down. A dry bag, so you can slide it right in. Yeah. Right? That's more along the lines of what I do. Mm -hmm. uh, one for the extra lenses and the kits and all that, and then a, sm a small one that'll fit just the camera yeah. and one lens as well. Um, or they do have waterproof housings and shooting bags. A shooting bag? Yeah. So it your camera's in it. So just the lens is exposed? Uh, the end, yeah. right? Or there's ones that it, it mounts inside, so nothing's actually exposed. But it's flat, so, so that you've got you can... a lens that's built into the bag. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, power. Batteries. Yeah. That's the big thing, right? So they've got the solar chargers now. And w you can lay these solar chargers out, and they will charge your batteries as you go sort of thing. But that kind of defeats the purpose while you're... I'm getting out yeah. camping to get away from this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I have a AA battery holder for um, my camera. So basically, it's a little cartridge that I take out of my camera that holds my regular batteries, yep. 
And if, I mean, it takes a while for those two batteries to, to die, but if they do on a really long trip, I've got another cartridge that holds double A batteries. Okay. And I can slide that in. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, that's usually what I got to take is, is that one. Yeah. Um, but there's always risks, damage to your cameras, um, you know, water, dirt dropping. Uh, so you know what, whatever type of paddling you're doing, you, you gotta, you gotta take the camera that will go to whatever it is you're doing. That works for what you're doing. You yeah. know, like I say, most people now point and shoots and there's a lot of GoPro stuff, but there's still a lot of people that are taking the DSLRs. But I think the, the compact lightweight point and shoot cameras, I, I wouldn't stick with my cell phone camera. No. I, I tend to stay away from that. Right. Yeah. But I would definitely get a good point and shoot camera mm -hmm. that's waterproof or has a little waterproof case and I would I'd be taking that nowadays. Often it depends on what people are trying to get out of their trip, right? Yeah. For me, I'm trying to take a few pictures of the kids playing and having fun. I'm not trying to create professional level photography. Yeah. And therefore, you know what? Point and shoot camera. And that's what the advice I've been giving people mm -hmm. lately is if you're if you're not going out to do good landscape photos and stuff like that, grab yourself a good point and shoot camera and have some fun. Well, that's what it's all about, is getting out there and having fun. That's right. That's really what it is. And if you can't get out there and have fun, then why don't you check out what we're doing for fun on our website, www.paddlingadventuresradio.com, or you can check out our Facebook page and Instagram. Until then, thanks for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>